Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and I'm here with my co-host and fiancé, Peter Glassford. This week's guest is our good friend Dakota Gale of the blog Traipsing About. Now, I met Dakota a while ago when I was doing a story on living the van life for Bicycling Magazine, but it wasn't long after I started talking to him that I realized Dakota is not just a awesome mountain biker. He climbs rocks. He swims for miles for fun. He does crazy long runs uh, and just a ton of other cool sports. Later this month, he's going on a hiking trip in Iceland. And it was so exciting to catch up with him and talk about how he manages to run his own business as a creative entrepreneur, uh, live mostly in a van, although he's currently home in Portland with his amazing wife and how he manages to train and recover properly and stay in great shape for pretty much any adventure all while balancing, you know, hashtag van life and running his own business. Uh, He's also become a whiz at ping pong recently, so we talk about that a lot too. Uh, Anyway, we hope you enjoy the show, and as always, thanks for listening. So we are here with Dakota Gale, who is finally home in Portland, Oregon, after being on the road for 30 months, which is insane to me, but not insane once you've seen the inside of his gorgeous sprinter van. Um, so let's start there. Dakota, let's, let's do a brief bio here. Who are you? How did you find van life? <laughs> Thanks for having me. Anytime. I found van life because I needed an adventure. Nice. And I was an engineer who got into finance, doing energy efficiency work, and then just worked way too hard for five years and needed a break. So kind of hired a couple people to cover for me and bought a sprinter van, did a DIY build out on it that was a mix of perspiration and redoing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And the prototype turned into the final version, and we hit the road for a four-month trip that turned into two and a half years. That's awesome. And I have to say, I mean, I'll I'll post links to to photos of the build-out, but compared to our current build-out, which is a plywood table, you you kind of crushed it. It looks beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. The table's probably generous. Yeah. (laughs) I, I did have a little bit of history with building houses with my dad and I've done a bunch of solar panel work for engineering. So I kind of had a leg up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you, a lot of what you guys do on the road is tons of really rad athletic activities. So what is your history with sports? Were you a competitive kid or what? Yeah. What did you grow up doing? I'm a competitive person, (laughs) (laughs) but as a kid, I didn't do any outdoor sports. It was all, the main sports that kids in the U.S. play, baseball, basketball, I played tennis, I played soccer, so always super active, but other than when I was six and ran around naked climbing trees all the time, (laughs) I pretty much didn't do any backpacking, didn't run, it was all the big sports like that, and then just right after high school, completely stopped, and that's when I got into... That's when I got into the other sports, um, with running being the first thing that I kind of picked up as a solo outdoor sport. Okay. What made you go for running? Just one of those, like, I got to get in shape and (laughs) this is here? No, no. It was much more primal than that. I 
had a really cute neighbor named Sarah that <laughs> lived next to us. And she asked me to go running. I was like, sure, that sounds fun. And she just crushed me. Oh, God. Did you like limp back to the house, but do the pretend that you were totally cool <clears throat> kind of thing at the end of it? I can't even remember if I survived it. They might have had to scrape me off the trail and just <laughs> bring in the helicopters. No, it, it was great. And one of my crowning achievements, I think, was like six months later when Sarah saw me at the pool and was like, hey, you have nice abs. I was like, didn't I have nice abs before? Like, I go to the gym all the time. She's like, no, you were a little bit thicker. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got into outdoor activity. It was I like just that. purely driven by women. <laughs> I mean, really, why does anyone do it? <laughs> right. Totally. Um, so, you know, in that 30 months on the road, I'm going to kind of shift a little bit. How did you how did you handle being on the road? I mean, I know you are with your amazing wife, who I love, by the way. She's fantastic. She um, is. But what did you guys do for community? Because I think Peter and I find that's a huge thing is just, you know, the lack of people to go running with or go riding with or go climbing with. But it seems like you guys found people. It's a really good question. And it's definitely something that is an important aspect of traveling because if you're just out there looking at trees and riding bikes for two and a half years, they all start to look the same. And the things we remember most are being around people that are just awesome and maybe being outside with those same people. But the thing that drove most of it was our blog, which lots of people that are in the van community and just travelers in general have found through Google somehow and writing guest posts and whatever have driven a lot of traffic to it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how I found you, right? <laughs> I think I said that in an email. I was like, I found you on the Google. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we would just have people walk up to us and scope out the van and then sometimes they'd notice we were inside and it'd be awkward and sometimes it wouldn't be awkward <laughs> <laughs> and people just invite us over for lunch or they'd say hey you need a place to park you need a shower and we just made a rule to always say yes as long as the this person is crazy meter wasn't going off nice uh did you ever have the crazy meter go off where you were like nope you know it's been five days we can go a couple more without showering Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to insult the van community at all, but there's some people that drive around in vans that it's like, whoa, you're trying to like rip us off or something. And they don't fit in the hashtag van life world. Right. They're like, <laughs> something's going wrong. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, you have that kind of community that's sort of the kind of transitory community. How is that different than, I mean, you came home partially because you missed community, right? Definitely. Yeah. We, one nice thing about traveling was that we got to visit a ton of friends and family along the way. Mm -hmm. And so in the U S that was really nice to be able to visit people all the way down the coast of California. I went to school there, Chelsea's family there. And then across the country as well, just friends kind of dissipate throughout the different states. And so even on bike tour, we visited friends, but right. it's different than just that day to day, go hang out with a buddy and like get a drink versus, Hey, haven't talked to you for nine months or I've never met you or haven't seen you since high school kind yeah. of catch up. Yeah, for sure. I think we've, so, we've found that too. <laughs> yeah. So getting back home, we got back about six weeks ago and 
Chelsea started a vegan cookbook club where we have 15, 20 people over and everybody picks a recipe from one cookbook and brings it over. So doing stuff like that, and we love hosting people that come through. And so we've kind of mixed it with community that we already had in place in Portland. And then through Instagram and our blog, we've already hosted three different people that have come through town in their vans. And I've gone out and like climbed and biked and done photography shoots with some of these people. So that's been really fun too. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, obviously a consummate athlete is about being able to jump into any sport or any adventure at any time. And I mean, I think you guys define that pretty well. So first of all, let's, let's talk, what are your main sports now other than running? Mountain biking is probably the one I spend the most time on, Mm -hmm. but road biking, I like to be able to just jump in a pool and swim a mile anytime. So I swim day or two a week or sometimes a little less, depending where we are. I love uh, that. Yeah, rock climbing, I've gotten back into that after four years off. I was so stressed out in 2012 with work that I just completely shelved climbing. I like didn't need the stress in my life, yep. and now I've gotten back into it, and it's super fun. Yeah, I mean, actually, so let's let's talk about that for a second, though. Like the van life, you know, seems to have really calmed you down from where you were three years ago. <laughs> Could you imagine where you would have been had you not taken that time? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And initially it was just a four month trip. And then we, I've hired seven people since we started traveling and basically have stepped back from a day to day role in my business. And I'm way more relaxed. And even friends have, commented on it now that we're back there's like you are so much more content and calm that's awesome um so what is the uh out of all of the sports you guys have done in the the past you know three years ish what's the craziest or most random adventure that sort of presented itself (laughs) i feel like there are just too many to pick from here but (laughs) well i'm trying to think of it in terms of was it outdoors or was it like bike touring through New York and a guy invites us over for lunch and then I go up in his 1946 seaplane. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. I like that. <laughs> well, Chelsea sat safely on the ground like a sane person. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that some of the stuff in Europe was amazing. Just bike touring through. It's not even so much an extreme adventure, but just cycle touring through Northeast Italy and you're on these great bike paths with the dolomites all around you and you're alongside a river and you're just like, why can't we do this on the continent that I was born on? Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> Get, bike turn should always be like this. Yeah. Uh, did the ability to swim a mile ever come in handy? That's, that's my question. <laughs> no, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that as like a metric of fitness. I feel like, everyone sort of has the one thing that they like need to be able to do to feel fit. And I like that yours is swim a mile. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of have a few, like I like to be able to just run 10 miles anytime mm-hmm. and do 50 push ups, 15 pull ups, and, you know, kind of iterations on all of that stuff. Jump on my bike and ride a century. Yeah. Um, so it comes and goes like I can't run 10 miles after a three month bike tour, but right. <laughs> another random thing I've, been doing a lot lately and this comes from high school and I play a lot is I've been playing ping pong which is like the most random 
thing that's not outdoor adventure, but probably the thing I have close to the most fun with. That is super <laughs> random. And I've like taken lessons in the past and played a ton in high school. And it's just this mix of agility and speed and hand-eye coordination. And I just love it. That's hilarious. So, I, yeah. Did you pick I, it back up when you got back to Portland or did you start doing that on the road? Um, I picked it up when I got back to Portland, but I've played it a little bit before we took off. And then we were back here last spring for a little while, just, you know, switching tenants out because we mm -hmm. rent out our house while we travel and, um, you know, like see my employees, right. <laughs> stuff like that. And so, yeah, I started playing again and it's just a great way to catch up with friends, but something about it. Like I love to go do six hour mountain bike rides and just ride the craziest stuff I can find. And I like to just go hit a little white ball back and forth for two hours. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just like movement in general. Like I, I do yoga pretty frequently as well. Nice. So basically if I'm moving, then I'm happy. Yeah. Um, it seems though, like you, you do tend to like pick a sport that you're focusing on at any given time. You know, you went on bike tours, you're going to do this hiking in Iceland coming up. You know, you got back into rock climbing recently. Do you tend towards like, why? Do you tend towards focusing on one sport at a time, or is that just how it looks on on the Instagram? I would say yeah, that I tend to focus on one thing, but I'm not going to call myself obsessive. I'm going to let other people do that. Okay, for me. fair enough. <laughs> I was going to say that you were just a you know smart packer, and with van life, there's only so much room for for gear. Yeah. I mean, our van, we carry it, touring bikes, backpacking gear, our mountain bikes, running gear, slack line, like you name it, we've got it in there. Mm -hmm. But so when, when we're traveling the van, it's a lot more varied. When we bike tour, we bike tour and we'll like run or do a hike or something like that. But it's pretty minimal when you've been biking for eight straight days, your rest day, you kind of just want to not do much. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I tend to focus on one sport. And I, I like to get to about 80% proficiency. It's like Tim Ferriss's thing. He talks about the Pareto principle. Like you get to 80% proficiency past there. It's really time consuming to get much better at it. Totally. And I think that I just kind of come up against that. And it's not that it's as distinct as oh, I'm at 80%. I quit, but right. it's just fun getting good at things. And I just, I like varied activities. Like I play guitar a lot. I do photography and just like picking up new hobbies. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so outside of ping pong, what is your focus now? If you had to pick one of the endurance sports, what's what's going on now? Mountain biking. Nice. And how's the mountain biking in Portland? In Portland, it's actually a point of contention because the city doesn't allow any mountain biking on anything except one fire road through Forest Park. But outside of it, I just did a trip over Memorial Day where I rode 100 miles in three days and yes. just all amazing single track and the northwest just has stellar stellar riding yeah absolutely so that's one of the reasons that I wanted to come back here was to do that this summer so that has been really nice and last summer we were going to be in Oregon for the summer and then with three-week notice we bought tickets to London to go bike tour for three and a half months <laughs> we're on a plane 
and out of here with no plan. Flying to London, fly out of Prague, no plan between. Okay. I like it. Um, so what I'm wondering here is you're picking up lots of sports and liking to get to 80%, but when you're very new to something, it can be frustrating for a lot of people and intimidating, right? Like if you're really good at mountain biking, but then you go and try ping pong or rock climbing, um, you know, it, it can be frustrating, especially as you start, you know, when you're only at 10% or 0% or, mm-hmm. you know, so how do you deal with that being a beginner, having that beginner's mindset, um, you know, when you're picking up something new? Lots of swearing. <laughs> See, Peter's been trying that in the pool, but when you're underwater, it's sort of hard. He's, he's trying to learn swimming. <laughs> I, I have a recommendation. The total immersion method That's is... actually what am- I'm using, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is key. That cut 25% off my stroke count when I did that years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of something that I do is I, I try to ride or whatever activity is with people that are better than me. I don't go out with other beginners, which can be frustrating or, and or dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like trying to keep up with your friends who race enduro. That was a quick learning curve. Oh boy, yeah. And I've just found that that pushes me a lot harder and I'm just always out of my comfort zone. And then I, I tend to get a book or look at some kind of training method and just fairly methodically break down the basics of what I need to learn to do it. And I I often won't completely finish whatever it is because I'll just get to that point where I'm like, I'm just going to go do the activity. I'm not going to do reps of 16 to figure out how to do this motion. Mm -hmm. But that has helped me a lot with whatever activity I've wanted to pick up. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I found with the total immersion stuff is like there's a lot in that book, but I mean, just the learning to float and, you know, getting comfortable with the water on your face and, you know, the basics of sort of trying to rotate side to side is just an objective. And then the couple mm-hmm. drills around that um, did seem helpful. So I can see how, you know, having some sort of direction um, and then, like you say, finding some people that can, you know, take a look at you and be like, yeah, you look, you know, your arms are, you know, you're stirring up a ton of water or whatever, you know, the analogy is. Mm-hmm. Um, you must have nicer friends than me instead of just <laughs> look like an idiot. Do it differently. <laughs> he doesn't. I'm definitely that mean more at the pool. It's it's the one time I I have the higher skill level, so I, I make the most of it and I'm a jerk. Do you have a ruler? Do you wrap his knuckles at the end of each lap? <laughs> I would, but he sort of wraps his knuckles or his head on the bottom of the pool when he tries to flip turn. <laughs> So. Yeah, I don't know. I picture like a cartoon or something where like some fish keeps like popping in, like spraying water in your face yeah. or something, and it just like keeps popping up beside you. And yeah, <laughs> keeps swimming's inside. hard, man. Yeah, yeah. I've never really been a fan, and honestly, I think a lot of it is the chlorine in the water. Like really, yeah. like I had a really bad allergic. I don't know if it was allergic reaction, but like my eyes went super puffy when I was super young at some birthday party. So like, there's probably all sorts of emotional, you know, <laughs> hardship tied up in that so i've just been adverse to water generally um yes we we only just recently got him showering regularly (laughs) (laughs) hey it happens when you get engaged congrats on that by the way changes yeah it's rough it's really rough (laughs) all right so with all of these different sports and different stuff and travel 
I was, I, we're always so obsessed with the idea of routines since we're on the road too. So do you have like daily routines that you follow or are you just kind of free floating? Like what happens happens. It depends what we're up to. If we're with friends, I find that it's really hard to stick to routines. For sure. But say during bike touring, I would get up every day and meditate. And every day I was doing push-ups and sit-ups and writing. And I just, I find that when we have a routine that's simple like that, mm-hmm. it's easier to fit other routines in. Yeah, for sure. So th- there's definitely things that I try to do every day, but we don't stick to a specific wake up time or things like that. But I I like to get up and just try to knock out a few things early, whether that's meditating um, and that comes and goes. I've been on like a six month hiatus after a year or so doing it every day. And I think it's because I'm just being lazy. (laughs) I would would like to say it's because I'm relaxed and I don't need it, but I totally need it. (laughs) And I think everybody does. (laughs) Yeah, I actually recently just started kind of experimenting with that. And I actually needed to switch to doing it as uh, taking my HRV while I do my meditation, because I couldn't handle the idea of just sitting and meditating. I was not very good at it. I need like, okay, at least I get like, there's like a tangible thing at the end of it where it like beeps and says, okay, you're this calm today. Or like, go out and ride. Right. (laughs) But otherwise, it's just like, oh, it's it's hard. But I think the uh, the morning routine really does, I think you're right, if you set up for having the couple of routines in the morning, you tend to be way better at getting stuff done for the rest of the day. Yeah, my friend Ryan has a great saying. He's like, I kick more ass before 8 a.m. than most people do all day. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and he does. And I think that getting up early is the best way to do that. There's just fewer distractions, your mind's focused. Mm-hmm. And so... I love getting up at six and just doing the three or four things just to get the day rolling. And then after that, you can just screw around, go do whatever you want. And the day was a success. I know when I, when I get up at like eight now, I'm just like, Oh my God, I've wasted the entire day. (laughs) That's still like a reasonable hour. Um, all right. I'm going to totally shift topics on you here. Uh, you're still vegan. Yes. Yeah. So you've been sticking to that for a long time on the road and in Europe. Uh, what made you go vegan and how has that worked with the you know transitory lifestyle? So it was mostly because I'm competitive. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. But my friend Martin was, as he said, 90% vegan and he got me intrigued about it. And okay. so I was like, I'm going to be 92% vegan. <laughs> Uh, but he he recommended some books about it. And Chelsea, who's been vegetarian for 25 years, and then we went vegan around the same time, she had always kind of introduced ideas, and she's not pushy at all. And so it always been like, do your own thing. And then I just started reading about the health benefits of it about four years ago, and just found it really convincing and found that it was the only diet that can stop or reverse cancer. And I was like, that's a pretty good hedge. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. And then the environmental aspect of it was a component as well. And then the animal welfare side, which is what has probably kept me vegan, right. is this thing that came last. But we've done things like 
volunteered for a farm sanctuary for a month. And when you spend a month around animals, it kind of shifts your perspective. You're like, if it's not necessary to have animal products to perform at a high level, then maybe I don't need it. And I don't know. I've I've seen a lot of athletes and read their books, Scott Jurek, Rich Roll, all these guys that are just crushing it on a vegan diet. It's like, they can do it. I can probably do my 80%, pretend like I'm good at something, levels of performance. (laughs) Totally. And I mean, you've, you've written about this before, but you've never had any issues being vegan and getting enough protein or anything like that. Mm -mm. No, when I've tracked the numbers, just eating a varied diet and just eating lots of food and not thinking about it has worked really, really well because everything has protein in it pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's funny, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wow, a vegan actually probably is easier for van life because you have less issues with like perishables like meat and dairy and eggs. Mm-hmm. So you just don't have to worry about that as much. Totally. Yeah. And the risk of E. coli and contamination, all this stuff, it's just, I don't think about that. But as yeah. far as like bike touring, that's definitely when it's like, okay, maybe we need to think about this. And we were worried about it at the outset of our bike tour across the U S which is 4,000 miles through like the Midwest U S not exactly bountiful food country, unless you like soy and corn. Mm -hmm. And it was totally easy. And same thing around Europe. Everybody has a cousin who is gluten-free or somebody that has some restriction in their diet and people are really nice about it. And just owning it has been the biggest thing for us. Yeah. Just we're vegan that's the situation. And yeah, I don't know. I feel completely healthy these days and don't feel like it limits my performance and it's in line with my values. And I feel like I'm eating as healthy a diet as I know is out there. I've done a lot of reading on it. And so it works for me. And I think that most people recognize eating more vegetables is healthy for you. And so (laughs) jumping in a hundred percent right away doesn't work for most people. It didn't work for me. Like I kind of slowly shifted, cut dairy out after a elimination diet and then cut out red meat and then cut out eggs. And it was like, it was a slow thing. Yeah. And I think that that's a really approachable way to handle it for most people and just see what works. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, okay. With all of the travel and all of the van life stuff, Peter and I run into this and I don't think you guys do quite as much because you tend to be in one place or you're traveling in order to bike tour. But how do you stay in athletic shape when you're, you know, just on the road traveling or are you always just on the road traveling to do adventures? Yeah, it's more the latter. We're usually just out having fun. Yeah. So (laughs) we can kind of stop wherever because I can work remotely. I just have a Wi-Fi hotspot, and then my phone tethers as well. And so we can pretty much stop anywhere and just go for a run, go for a bike ride. Mm -hmm. Do you ever do any, I mean, you said yoga. What kind of yoga do you do? Do you do any strength training, anything like that? I do usually flow stuff, so vinyasa. And strength training, I pretty much just stick to push-ups, core, and Mm pull-ups. And then some elastic band work to keep my baseball destroyed shoulders from falling off totally i actually just started playing around with the elastic band type stuff it's so much easier to pack than weights yeah way easier and the other thing i've been doing is a lot more mobility training there's gymnastic strength training kind of 
around that, but just loosening up those calcified joints and getting the range of motion that will let you do like a perfect handstand or just have the range of motion as I get into my mid thirties and you know, everything uh, starts falling apart. Yes. Yeah, so old in <laughs> mid thirties. <laughs> That's it. I turned 29 in a couple weeks and I told Peter like he's got a year before there's like a complete mental breakdown when I hit 30. Mm. It's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a tough year. Not to <laughs> mention budgeting for hair dye, right? To get rid of right? all the gray hairs. <laughs> That's going to be tough. It's true. Peter's never going to go gray, though. He's insisted that it's never going to happen. What do you mean? You need some wisdom gray. Mm. No. No, you don't. I'm pretty (laughs) Um, So we were talking earlier, or I guess before we even started recording, about like the idea of balance and how, you know, it might not even be required or we we stress too much on having balance. And I wonder here with this idea of staying in shape, I think the, the consummate athlete idea of having a bunch of sports maybe relates to that. So I wonder if you could speak to, um, you know, how you use different sports depending on how, you know, where you are, like a certain context. Yeah. I feel like just sticking to one sport limits you. Like you look at the tour racers and they're just insanely strong and I could never come anywhere close to that. And I'd never want to because I feel like they get so imbalanced. And so I've always just wanted to be well-rounded but still good at whatever sports and so that's where I feel like if I jump in and just do one sport when we're in that area like you're in Moab go mountain biking of course and then you you do trail running when you're in a beautiful area but the trails aren't good for biking and so it, it kind of fits in more with whatever region I'm in and then when we're home I just kind of mix it up I just try to do each sport a couple times a week or if I go on a four-day road trip like I just did then I'll just go bike yeah for sure and I mean if you put any one of those tour riders line them up at like a 5k run they'd probably get like 100 meters down the road and just like collapse (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely interesting like I was just at a chiropractor yesterday more for sort of networking but she sort of took a look at sort of how the my body was running and whatnot in her opinion and you know, I was like, well, be ready. Like, I'm pretty, you know, I ride mountain bikes pretty fast. And that's, you know, how I've spent the last bunch of years. And I'm like, so, you know, there's a lot of damage. And there's a lot of like, it's good at doing that. Um, you know, and so she got sort of, you know, in on like, this muscle's not working. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But like, you know, it pedals bikes really fast. <laughs> so, you know, and so it always gets back to that goal, but certainly that's more and more and where we're coming at with this podcast and stuff is that certainly, you know, you need to be aware of that on some level um, Yeah, because that pedaling body, you know, might not survive so well as you get into your later ages, later yeah. adulthood. I think right. Peter was, Peter was pretty depressed because he came home. He's just like, everything's wrong with me. She said, everything's wrong. Nothing's working. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really easy to get into that position i mean i spend a disproportionate amount of time hammering my hip flexors and hamstrings and that's where my mobility is the least and I, when i look at the guys that are doing like parkour the american ninja warrior stuff I'm like mm-hmm. that is what i want to be able to do totally but still go out and crush on a mountain bike so that's where the mobility strength training stuff that i'm doing comes in because i just want to be able to do it all and yeah not worry about getting injured. 
Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, actually, the next question I had was how you handle recovery while you're living the the van life. I mean, you know, in the van, I, I know you guys have a pretty good setup, but that's still a change in sleep quality versus sleeping, you know, in a house. And I mean, you have the mobility practice. So, yeah, how do you recover when you're training kind of as much as you are? We put a really good bed in the van. <laughs> I think you and I took like 20 minutes talking about mattresses when we first talked. <laughs> yeah, I, we took a nice latex mattress we had in our guest bedroom and I chopped a foot off it with a machete. So we actually sleep better in the van than most other places because it's this little cocoon and we just turn on the ceiling vent fan and there's no outside noise and sometimes we wake up like whoa what time is it that's awesome (laughs) it's late (laughs) i love that you guys dialed that in yeah but i definitely take just days off where i don't do anything I, i read a ton and so i can be out just hammering it for three days and then i'll just sit and finish a book in a day and mm-hmm. I think maybe it's my Gemini side coming out. Chelsea's like, how have you not moved all day when all you do is move? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're polarized, right? It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely off on. So I, I think that I, I try to build those recovery days in. And I, I don't do like the three-week block and then take a week off. I'm not as um, distinctly programmatic about that kind of stuff but I'm not I'm not training for a race um and I've, I've done some racing and I just I'm so competitive that it just absorbs me and it gets to the point where it's not fun yeah and that's why I've just been doing these activities and I I definitely I like I'm riding hard I'm running hard but I don't like to race anymore yeah I, I've actually found myself kind of in the same thing because if I'm going to be competitive and racing, like that's such a focus for me. And at this point in my life, it doesn't make sense as a focus. Yeah. And I, I totally admire people that have the drive to stick to the schedule and race one sport and in places like Ben where it's like you're pro in one sport and amateur and one other. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of interesting. Like I rode with a guy this weekend who goes out and wins ultras and then, you know, does a 40 mile mountain bike ride when he hasn't ridden for two months. Like you are a badass. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Now I'm going to get back to the, the relationship thing that we were talking about before I started recording. I mean, you know, you and Chelsea are in a van together. That's, that's a lot of togetherness. Uh, how do you guys handle both of you being really active and all of your training and stuff? We spend a lot of time apart when we train. See, I think that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she doesn't like the harder stuff, mountain biking. She loves cross country. She loves bike touring. But she doesn't get the same thrill out of adrenaline rushes that I do. Mm -hmm. And so we might head out and do a cross country ride together. But more often than not, it's like we go and she'll do a hike or a run and I'll go mountain bike, and then we meet back at the van. Yeah, I like that. We've talked about it before, but Peter and I have done it where we've actually shuttled, where I've run up a downhill run, and he's ridden down it, and we just keep switching who drives the van up or down. (laughs) I love it. It worked. It worked fantastic for us. (laughs) Yeah. I think people that think that they need to train together all the time, 
I think that's where the problems kind of start is when you assume that it has to every like everything has to be together because you like the same sport. Yeah, and I think it's hard to have a partner who is everything for you because mm-hmm. I mean, if Chelsea was me, then I would be like the most single faceted person ever. But she brings a lot of depth and other ideas into my life that wouldn't be there otherwise. Totally. Yeah. So, and even bike touring, we kicked around the idea of a tandem and she pretty much shot that down. She's like, I don't want to, <laughs> like, Hey, you don't want to spend time with me. So we'll, you know, we'll be a hundred feet apart, 200 quarter mile mm-hmm. on climbs. I'll just wait at the top and we don't just chatter all day. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of a bike touring day, you're not like, Hey, so what'd you do today? How's your day? <laughs> Did you pedal 15,000 strokes? Cool. Me too. That's awesome. Have you guys ever considered getting like an e-bike set up for her? Because we've definitely talked about that. Uh, <laughs> kind of joking around, but uh, maybe when everybody else has one, mm-hmm. be like, yeah, maybe we should do that. I think it would actually be pretty awesome. I have friends who use little like plastic toe straps for their partner for the climb and then they descend together. Oh, nice. And I think an e-bike would be awesome, especially for the hard climbs to just smooth out that pace. And (laughs) seeing all the people in Europe, everybody there, it's like half the people at least have an e-bike. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's just what you do there. It's like, yeah, we're getting around. Like who cares if we're not working as hard? Yeah. This is function. And I think that you can apply that to uh, be a relationship panacea as well. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what I figure is, like, if I just have an extra 100 watts from a motor, that would put me, you know, roughly around, like, the same effort level that Peter's putting out at the same speed. So, it's really, that's just a relationship problem solver in my book. (laughs) I think you should get 750 watts so you can just rip his legs off. Also good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, man. Yeah, no, I went mountain biking with a guy, and he was, like, in street clothes, and we're on, like, pretty technical trails, and, like, he could ride, like, fairly well, but he just was talking to me, and I swear to God, it was like a World Cup on the climbs, like, everything I had to even stay close, and I was just like, this seems like the best training ever, you know? Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how I stand on the e-bikes, but they're pretty. Yeah, cool. it's gonna be interesting when. Well, first of all, Strava. What are they gonna do there? Yeah, right. Oh, they're already ravaging. When you're in BC, you'll probably see it. Like, yeah, people are not impressed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not. It's a different activity completely. And it, what's gonna be interesting, I think, is drawing the line between that and motorcycles. Like, at what point is there a wattage? limiter like who's enforcing it for trails mm-hmm. like, no, no motorized vehicles and it's like it's not a motor it's a you know, whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely all right so we talked about this before before we started recording again but uh yeah what's next for you guys tell me about this iceland adventure yeah so we're in portland for been here for six weeks and two and a half months it's long enough at home, so we're going to hop on a plane to Iceland in early July and spend a few weeks in a camper van and then do a hut-to-hut trek for a week, awesome. which should be awesome. So super excited about the f- photography over there. And oh, for sure. Really stoked to get to another foreign country. I've never been there. So, And then after that, we're going to spend two, two and a half months 
going up through Montana and Banff and then west through um, Alberta and BC and then down the coast. So just mountain biking, running, hiking, whatever's up there. That sounds fantastic. I'm pretty jealous. So are you renting yeah. a camper van then while you're in Iceland, I assume? Yeah. And like any recommendations? Like who are you doing that through? Um, we are using Go Campers, which has been a great company. They've just been super easy to work with and they just have really good prices. So some of the other companies are like, why are you charging two times more than this company? <laughs> and yeah, you just show up and everything's there and you can even get Wi-Fi hotspots if you want. But the whole country is like, I think you can run across it in like 15 minutes. So <laughs> you can see quite a bit in two weeks. Yeah. Nice. Um, and then, so one of the other questions we, we've been asking everybody, um, do you have any good recommendations for any other podcast guests that you'd want to hear from or other people that you think are doing super rad stuff? I could think of a couple. My friend Paul here in Portland did a 50K trail race on Saturday and on Tuesday he did a 130-mile gravel grinder with 11K of climbing. So he what? can kind of get after it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that sounds ridiculous and terrible <laughs> yeah. and awesome all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and he surfs, like just well-rounded guy. And my friend Reese is another guy who can just do any yoga pose. He does like an hour of yoga a day, but biked from Florida to the northern tip of Alaska last year and oh is about to go do a six months like off-the-grid, thousand-mile backpacking trip through the wilds of Patagonia. Holy moly. Well, we better get in touch with him before he goes on his trek then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a cool guy and just cool mindset and just outlook on what he wants to do. Like, you know, hike across the Gobi Desert and then run across Australia are all on his list of things to yeah. accomplish. That's awesome. So actually, I guess that kind of leads me to one one more question before we get into where people can find you. Like, what is your advice for people that want to do stuff like that and stuff like what you guys did and, you know, take off for four months and turn that into two and a half years? People that are just scared of that idea. <laughs> it, it sounds glib, but just do it. Mm -hmm. Figure out a way to do it. And the only way to accomplish it is just prioritize what you want to accomplish because it's easy to say, Oh, I could never do that. I could never travel the world for a year. It's like, well, it costs $15,000. Like how much is your car payment? How much is this and that? Mm -hmm. And a student can save up that much and go travel. And yeah. I, I did that in 2005, 2006, traveled for a year. And I got back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe you're able to do that. I'm like, I spent $12 a day. Yeah. <laughs> so you spent on lattes <laughs> and I think that just being open to creating a different kind of business is a big part of that. And I, I try to just build a lot of different skills. And you were writing about this recently, where it's like photography, writing, all these yeah. different things that you bring together. And so I've taught myself SEO. I've taught myself how to build websites. Um, we have some things that we sell through our website related to camper vans that I like, catted up and created a doorstop that we sell. And nice. just little things that kind of come up and I just will go after it for a little while. And so I think just looking at what you have to offer the world and what the world needs and trying to find that intersection mm -hmm. is a way to create some income so that you can go travel. Cause it's really nice to travel while you make money versus just watching the savings dwindle. 
Yeah, seriously. And ending up like in Australia with no money and no way to get home somehow. <laughs> right. About picking apples for six months. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think that a lot of people that run their own business feel like they're trapped by it or they work for a company and they're like, oh, I could never go do that. But so many people can work remotely now too. And I think that's really driving the van life craze right now. I know so many people that are taken off and just like, yeah, we just park during the day and work, but we're somewhere pretty. And that's what I did the first six months. I was working almost full time and then have reduced that as I've hired more people. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just a time versus money calculation. I wanted the time to do other things and build other skills. And it's like, it was worth it. So it sounds risky until you start doing it. And you're like, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's that's very good advice. Um, all right, last question. How do people find more about you and follow your adventures? Two places. Um, both are traipsing about. So our website is traipsingabout.com. That's T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N-G about. And then I'm at traipsingabout on Instagram. Awesome. And yeah, you know, for anyone listening, those are two really, really rad things. I highly recommend following both to feel both jealous and get great ideas and tips. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dakota. It was great catching back up. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Anytime. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you learned a ton about Dakota's awesome lifestyle. Uh, Again, if you want to find him, you can find him online at traipsingabout.com or on Instagram at traipsingabout. And as always, you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram at Molly J. Herford and Peter at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram as well. And for all of the show notes and those fun links, visit consummateathlete.com to catch up on what we've been up to. Thanks, and we will see you next time.